So what we have in this chapter is also known uh, is, as Jesus' Olivet Discourse, his teaching regarding the end times or the last days. This discourse, by the way, is also found in Matthew chapter 24, verses uh, 1 through chapter 25 and verse 46. That is the most detailed and lengthy um, recorded uh, of all three Gospels of the Olivet Discourse. We also have the parallel passage to Mark chapter 13, found in Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 36. The Olivet Discourse is the summit of the lengthy confrontations of the authorities in the temple, which began back in Mark chapter 11, verse 27. And so this sermon regarding the last days is the conclusion to those confrontations and the attempts of the religious authorities to test and to entrap Jesus in saying something that wasn't agreeable with the word, with the law. This also, the Olivet Discourse, is a bridge leading into Jesus' Passion Passion Week, as we are familiar with and what we've come to know this week, leading to His crucifixion, his burial and resurrection. The Olivet Discourse is the longest unit of Jesus' teaching, teaching recorded in the Gospel of Mark. This is where Jesus predicts, as we read, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And with this statement prompted the disciples' question as to the timing of these events. When will this happen? Now, within the Olivet Discourse, we have 19 imperatives or authoritative commands or exhortations that are urgent and essential. And that's why it's important for us today to pay close attention to what we have before us. Because it's imperative that we, as Jesus' followers, as Christians, as believers, receive and apply what he is instructing us within this chapter how to navigate through and conduct ourselves as we enter into the last days. Do you sense that we're going into the last days? Do you see it? Oh, the world itself is, seems like Satan is pulling out all the stops. He's going after our children. He's going after our spouses. He's going after those within the church to undermine it, to destroy, to dismantle, to distract. When is the last days? When are these things applicable? Well, what Jesus addresses is the period in history between his resurrection and his second coming. Are we not in it? Close to 2,000 years have passed since the fall of Jerusalem, and yet the end has not come. The, re, the period referred to in the Olivet Discourse is the day in which we are in today, and going further into as the days progress. The prophecy was set within the framework of warnings, of the attempts to, uh, of many to deceive the masses. We see that today including the Jews, the church, and strike fear in anyone and everyone 
We see that even more so prevalent today. We've seen the attempt of the world to strike fear in every person's heart, especially in these last two and a half years. It's within this prophecy that there's exhortation for the church to be vigilant, to be obedient, to persevere in the furtherance of the gospel in the midst of persecution and socio-political upheavals. So what do we do in the midst of all this? What are we to focus on? What is our primary duty as believers? Has the Lord given us a way out? Do you feel a bit uncomfortable, overwhelmed, stressed, anxious, attacked? The Lord makes no provision for the soul or for the, for the, the flesh. None whatsoever. No compromise, no excuses, no justification for drawing back. In fact, this is what I love and, and I see throughout Scripture how it is that the Lord, with the Lord, all things are possible. With the Lord, he says, keep your eyes on me and with me, well, there's victory. Continue to advance. Because in the midst of all of this, he is instructing us, exhorting us to be vigilant, obedient, to persevere, And to further the gospel in the midst of persecution in all of these upheavals throughout the world. Not once does Jesus tell them to give up and go hide or to compromise during this period. But instead tells them to be on guard. Four times throughout the Olivet Discourse. Four times he tells them, be on guard. Tells them, see that no one leads you astray. Tells them to endure. Tells them to proclaim. Tells them to stay awake. And tells them to keep awake, stay awake, keep awake, endure, persevere, be on guard, and don't let anyone lead you astray. Hey, listen, I know the world is trying to soften you, trying to soften us, trying to help us to focus on ourselves, be self-centered. Be so concerned about ourselves that whether it be our, our physical health or our mental health or, or something of that nature, you know, well, you know, if you're not happy, then really pursue happiness at all costs. You know, even divorcing your spouse and, you know, because you deserve to be happy. You deserve more than that. To be successful is, and the world lays it out. It's all designed for the softening of the people. That we wouldn't have convictions. Especially biblical convictions. In fact, today we're seemingly, uh, now they're, they're voicing that we are a threat to the world. To very, the very system of the world. Well, here's a little newsflash. Christianity has always been a threat to the world. (laughs) From the very beginning. They persecuted Jesus. They'll persecute you. 
but are you ready? If you can't handle the heat now, personally, if you can't stand on biblical convictions and be boldly obedient to our Lord in good times, let me ask you this. What makes you think that you'll be able to endure when heavy attempts to deceive and mislead you come and are and you are tested and perhaps tested with real fire, threatened with that. You'll be jailed. Don't speak in the name of the Lord. Do not teach in his name. Do not proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ or else. Do you stand on your conviction and do you truly know that there is salvation in no other name? And no one else. This is the only good news that there is. Salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Are you ready for that moment? Deny Jesus. And this is reality. It may not, not be happening here in the U.S., but this is reality around the world. Deny Jesus or be shot. Sometimes we, we, we get, we, we're so detached from that. And we, and we play with our faith. We, we play with our Christianity. We, we serve God at our pleasure, not at His pleasure. Are you ready to be tested with real fire? Because this message is for the church. It's for, it's for us. It's for you. Quit thinking of yourself also as an individual. There are a lot of individuals within the church. Stop it. Cut it out. Because Christianity and the Bible does not give you that option. How is the church described? It's all about Tom, right? We know that. It's all about Tom. No. church is described as the, and is, the body of we are the body. We need to start acting like a body. Not separate parts that do what they want to do, when they want to do it, and how they want to do it, but part of something much bigger and greater than ourselves. Brothers and sisters, start looking at the bigger picture. What does the Lord want you to do to participate in this local body? Sometimes we, we say, well, we, we are the body. You know, we, <clears throat> you know there's, this is the local fellowship, but let's, uh, you know, we were on a flight not too long ago. There's a time when, uh, when, when you're on liftoff and takeoff flight, you're, you're, going up and getting up to altitude. But there's a certain point to where, you know, the, the um, safety belt light goes off, right? And you're free to move about. Free to, free to move and, and go to wherever it is that you need to do. If you need to go to the restroom, then go to the restroom, right? Stand up and stretch your legs, but sit back down, right? 
sometimes we think that within the church, like we have this freedom, like, ah, let's go here, let's go there. And, you know, after all, we are the body. And like as if you're a, the gift to the, to the church as a whole. They need me in all of these places, and so I'm going to go to all of these places. No, no, no. The Lord doesn't need you. Trust me, if you leave today, and I'm not encouraging you uh, to do that, okay? (laughs) If you leave today, the Lord will replace you. Even Mordecai said to Esther, right? Perhaps you're here for such a time as this. Know that you are here not by chance. It has been ordained for you to be here. Be all here. Here. If you go to another church, be all there. Pour into that body. Why? Because they need you? No, because you're being obedient to the Lord. To be all here, why? Because you're just being obedient to the Lord. You're pleasing Him. You're here serving at His pleasure. His pleasure. So do it. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You see, it's when we stay together. It's when we grow together. It's when we go through things together. It's when we grow together in the Lord that we are stronger for that and we're prepared and we're not caught off guard. When difficult times come, we need to look at the bigger picture. It blesses Christ Jesus our Lord when the brethren dwell in unity. The enemy loves it when we split up for whatever reason you want to pick. He doesn't care. The enemy doesn't care. Just if you split up for any reason whatsoever. It's good. The disciples, as we see here, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked Jesus privately about when these things were going to happen. And this was after they were marveling at the beauty of the temple and the surrounding buildings. And Jesus told them that the temple would be destroyed. All these buildings, Jerusalem would be destroyed. And this, of course, led right into Jesus' discourse, encouraging his followers to maintain steadfast faith and obedience to God through the toughest of times, the end times. Again, are you ready? Will you be ready? This message is for you. To be prepared, to be on guard, to persevere, and to endure. And to not allow yourself to be led astray. Stay on target, be on guard, and hold your position are the three things that we see here. Let's begin once again, verse 1 of chapter 13. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And he sat, and as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. This temple was originally built by Zerubbabel and Ezra. 
then built up and out, made to be very great under King Herod. It took a little over 80 years. It was large. It was 400 yards by about 500 yards. It was beautiful. It was awesome. It was gold-plated. And in fact, when the sun shone on it uh, at just the right angle, it was brilliant. It was difficult to even look at. It looked glorious. It was absolutely awesome in splendor. And because of its beauty, this actually became an idol to the Jews. They would even take oaths and say and, and make sure that their, their oath was based on the temple. They started looking to the temple as an idol. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 6, Jesus said, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. He wanted to remind them, hey, listen, God is greater than the temple. He is the one to be worshipped here, but not the building, not the beauty, not the splendor. Oh, if you would see the glory of God, you would know that this pales in comparison to the glory of God, the beauty, the majesty of our Lord You know, it was about 40 years after Jesus made this prophecy that the Jews led a revolution against the Romans. And we know that the Romans crushed the Jews, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. It's believed that a drunken Roman soldier, uh, he had this fire, lit the fire that burned down the temple. What happened was that all of the gold... It got so hot that it melted and went in between the stones that made up the structure. And so in order to get to the gold, they had to take apart the whole temple. They had to take apart the whole place in order to get to the gold. Thus fulfilling Jesus' prophecy. Not one stone will be left on top of the other. All of them will be thrown down. I've just described the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. It happened in AD 70, just as Jesus prophesied. And if this happened just as Jesus said it would, and it did, then we ought to take heed and prepare for what's to come because we know that it is. The disciples asked when these things will take place. They asked what will be the sign that tells us when these things will be fulfilled, accomplished. And Jesus, did he tell them when? In the year 2022. He didn't tell them that. But he did describe the days. And he told them to be ready. told them to be ready and told them what to expect so that they would be prepared. Telling them what, what will happen in, in, in order that they would be able to navigate through those days successfully and endure to the very end. You see, really it doesn't matter how we start if we never end. I saw a video of this... Um, this um, race, it was track and field, and there were these uh, 
these young women who were racing the hurdles. And there was one in particular that from the very start, out of the gate, didn't make it over the first one. She stumbled and the gate went down, the hurdle. But she didn't quit. She started out poorly. And really anyone watching the race would think, it's over. She's done. She might as well quit. Right? Just go off to the sidelines and just, just stop what you're doing. Right? There's no way you're going to catch up to everyone else. And there's no way you're going to pass them up. And yet she got up. Not only did she successfully hurdle the rest, but she won. The Lord wants us to persevere. Have you fallen? Have you stumbled? Perhaps you feel like you're, you're there right now. Brother or sister, get up. The race is not over. Keep going. The Lord is with you. He is faithful. He loves restoration. He loves to for when people reconcile with him. It's in that moment that you realize, oh, he's the lifter of my head. He's the reason why I even exist. He's my purpose. He's my hope. I will keep running. And all the more because I've experienced his grace. He wanted to prepare them to navigate through and endure through the toughest of times. It's like a scene right out of a movie where the soldiers think that Perhaps a a war cry and an all-out rush against the enemy is the way to go. It may look good on film, but that's, that's poor. That's not the way to do it. Because we know it looks so courageous, so valiant. And yet, they're all lying face down. Done. No, Jesus is telling them and us today, the tactics of the enemy, to know the tactics of the enemy and how to navigate the battlefield successfully. Let's turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, The Apostle Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, is describing that which we have before us, the last days. I'm going to skip down to verse 9 and then go through the remainder of this chapter. The whole chapter, by the way, is good. If you're taking notes, please jot down 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Read through the whole thing. Verse 9 says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. By the way, if you wonder what is happening, who is energizing all this movement that we're seeing? (laughs) The answer is here. It's Satan, in case you were wondering. Verse 10, And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. That's what they wanted. That's what they are being given. Verse 12, In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Verse 13, But we... 
ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word, which we have, or by our letter, which we have. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. In other words, he's saying, with all of this said, our hope is in Christ. By his grace we are saved. Onward, soldier. Persevere. It's all victory in Christ. Continue to advance. So first of all, stay on target. And with that, as we go back to Mark chapter 13, to see that no one leads you astray, stay on target. Who are we to remain fixed upon? Jesus. What are we to remain fixed on? I mean, what would help us to be fixed on Jesus? Our gaze set upon him. The word. Who is responsible for staying on course? You. Each believer. Who will try and lead you astray? That is away from the correct path. Away from going in the right direction. Into error. Into sin. Into moral failure. In Joshua chapter 1. And these are a couple examples. This is nothing new. This is something that the Lord did with Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Actually verse 6 it says, Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go." Keep in mind, Joshua was leading the people of Israel into the promised land. It was no cakewalk. It, it, was, it was a violent land uh, filled with the enemies of God. And they were used as instruments of righteousness to go in there and clean the land. That land which God had given to the Israelites. You know, he did the same thing with Solomon as we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 17 and 18. It says this, And as for you, speaking to Solomon, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David your father, saying, You shall not lack a man to rule Israel. 
similar words, the very things that were spoken to Joshua and were spoken to Moses, so they were spoken to Solomon as well and to David. This is as they were going into circumstances that would be unimaginable. So who can lead you astray? Think about that. Who can lead you astray? Others, right? The world? Is, is the word world inclined to lead you astray? Absolutely. False teachers? God forbid, false brothers? Um, the Apostle Paul warned of this. To the, uh, his warning came to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 and 30, through 30. How about yourself? Can you lead yourself astray? The heart is what? Deceitful and wicked who can know it. Right? You can lead yourself astray. Therefore, consider 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6, where we take every thought captive and then subject it or yield it to the authority of God's word. Where we're warned that selfish or self-centered desires is what starts battles, wars, Fights, quarrels, according to James 4.1. How about family and friends? If you're sitting down next to family and friends, probably won't answer this question, right? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So we are to consider him and what he endured in order for us to not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Think about that. Yeah, you haven't even, you haven't, we haven't come close to resisting what Jesus himself resisted. So consider him. Why? So that we may not be weary or faint-hearted. You see, there's so much that is competing for our attention. But if we allow those things to gain advantage over us, they will lead us astray and fool us into thinking that something other than Jesus is our contentment. Think about this. It can be so subtle. Oh, that's our contentment. That's our satisfaction. That's our hope. That's our purpose. That's our worth. And we give in to... Giving something else our overall or fixed attention. Could be for seasons, for moments. The moment we realize that and it's revealed to us, it's the moment we ought to confess. That very moment, it's not a process. When, when David was told, 
and he realized he was the one that sinned against the Lord, what did he do? I got to really work through this because I'm not feeling it right now. He didn't do that, did he? At that very moment, he confessed and he repented. That is expected of you and I. Because in order to stay on target and allow no one to lead us astray, including ourselves, we are to be ready so as to not be alarmed. And he goes on to explain to them, hey, listen, when you hear of these things, wars and rumors of wars, allowing no one to lead you astray, do not be alarmed. Oh, you know what? There's all sorts of stuff on YouTube that would cause you to like, oh my gosh. We should be so scared and overwhelmed and filled with fear. And it's like, nah, stay cool. We know how it goes. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, don't be alarmed. When you hear of these things, it's but the beginning of birth pains. Don't be alarmed. Be careful not to allow yourself to go into a state of panic because of fear or extreme concern, because of danger or anticipated undesirable circumstances. You know, in a gun battle, bullets fly by, shrapnel is in the air. It's loud. And if you aren't prepared, it's confusing. And by the way, your unpreparedness can lead you into harm's way. And even worse, lead others into harm's way. Confusion. The enemy has sent a barrage of wickedness towards us. Seemingly all at once. And his desire to, to make you look at all the things that are flying, hear the bullets whiz by. Explosions. There's like, oh, all of this is happening. No. No, brother, sister, stay focused. Stay focused. When you hear of these things, know that they are just the beginning. Oh, this, we're just getting started. Are you battle ready? Are you battle hardened? Are you willing to bear down and say, oh, this is just the beginning? Oh, it's just beginning to get good. Oh, the Lord is coming soon. I will fight all the more. You can count on me. We are in this together to the very end. Stay on target. Remember that you are immortal as Pastor Mike said, right? Reminded us we're immortal until the Lord calls you home. And even then it's a win. Because at that very moment you'll be in glory in the presence of our Savior. So stay on target. Let's move through the next two. Next, be on target. So stay on target. Be on guard. Verse 9 says, But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit." There will come a time when, not if, but when you will be delivered into the hands of the authorities. It says here, beaten, imprisoned, made to stand before the authorities. Therefore, we are better prepared if 
we know what to expect and then know why you are there to begin with. And then know what to do. In the moment, oh, I heard this somewhere. Mark chapter 13. In Mark and in Luke, it, it tells us, it gives us the details of the Olivet Discourse. And it prepares us for this very moment. Oh, I remember this is the moment to where I need to trust in the Holy Spirit that He will give me the words to speak. To not be anxious about anything in that moment. But know that I am here for a purpose, for a reason. To be a witness and to testify the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, in areas of the world where there is expected persecution, like China's underground church, did you know that the church is prepared for the pastor to be arrested? The church is ready to, whoop, someone else just slips right into the pastor's place. Are you ready? I mean, this is, this is coming to a, a moment to where we need to be ready. Men, you need to be counted upon. You need to grow. You need to mature. You need to stand fast. You need to pour into others because we're here fulfilling the great commission to make disciples of all nations and then baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are here to grow together. And men, quite frankly, if I were to, this would be my last moment, my last sermon, I would encourage you. I don't need to, I'd, I wouldn't want to look elsewhere for anyone else to fill this position right here. God will ordain someone from within to step up and do the very thing I'm doing right now. Do you believe that? And men, are you ready? What call is God putting on your life? You want to know why you're here? Just start serving the Lord. Start growing. Be a student of the word. Because in other places, they are prepared. And you know what the way they look at it? Prison is considered a continuation of that person's ministry. And service unto the Lord. How can you stop a church like that? No matter where you are, if you're in chains or a free man, you are just all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If someone gets sent to jail, fine. Someone else gets in there and starts teaching and shepherding. Let's pray for our brother that the Lord use him mightily. You will be delivered will be beaten, and you will stand before the authorities. Does, does God have a purpose for this? In that moment, you need to understand, yes, there is a purpose. Everything that you go through, there's a purpose. It's not by accident. Therefore, in the moment, you don't live for yourself. You're still in that moment of difficulty. In that season of difficulty, we are still living for the Lord. The purpose? Testify of the gospel. And when they bring you to trial, do not be anxious about what you're going to say. But in that very moment, the Lord has promised that the Holy Spirit will give you everything you need to say in that moment. Were the disciples prepared? Yes, they were, because in Acts chapter 4, verse 18... After the Sanhedrin had questioned Peter and John, 
And verse 18 says, So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Do you hear any freaking out there? None whatsoever, right? And well, oh, no, no bowing, no, nothing like that. You, you, you hear nothing of that sort in that statement. Nothing at all. And when they had further threatened them, so that wasn't enough. They didn't get the response that they wanted to, right? And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Right? And then it goes on. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined it to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants, listen to this, to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs And wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They were emboldened. They were threatened. They had just experienced a confrontation from the Sanhedrin. The rulers that could judge and could very well hand them right over to Rome, just like Jesus was. They asked for more boldness. Listen, be on guard means to be prepared. Not allow yourself to be surprised. To not allow yourself to be taken off guard with unexpected circumstances. Be prepared, be sober-minded, expect this and know what is happening and what to do and when to do it. The enemy thinks that he's won. In that moment, but Jesus has simply used it to further the gospel. For those who have placed their faith in Jesus for salvation have already won. You and I, we've already won. Lastly, hold your position. Stay on target. Be on guard. Hold your position. Verse 12, I believe, would be one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult thing to experience. And brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father's child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. There's nothing more difficult than when an immediate family rises against you. And Jesus knew that very well. Are you wondering who will turn you into the authorities? Don't be shocked if it's something, someone from your own household. Again, the end times are being described here. 
question was asked of Jesus. He wanted to make sure, and he wants to make sure that you and I are ready. You see, we can underestimate how awful and how difficult the last days will be. The worst kinds of betrayals will take place. Hated by all for my name's sake, is what Jesus told them, his disciples. You know, it's estimated that since the day of Pentecost, over 43 million Christians have been killed. Turn to Christ in an Orthodox Jewish family, and you will be considered a blasphemer and dead to them. Turn to Christ in a struck Muslim family, and you will be rejected and possibly killed. Turn to Christ in a Hindu family and face rejection and possibly be, be killed. Turn to Christ in China, Sudan, Pakistan, Indonesia, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, and many other countries, and know that you will face certain persecution and potentially be martyred for your faith. It's true. I'm not stating anything that is not public knowledge. Now, even in North America, we're seeing such a strong opposition to the people of faith, Christian faith, that it is especially important that we as Christians are well prepared to face persecution. Oh, things are moving wildly fast in that direction. But rest assured, the Lord knew, the Lord knows. Hold your position. Hold. 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 Anytime you're facing something extremely difficult and you're, you're challenged in that moment, remember that. Hold your position. Stand fast. Know that you are immovable as you abide in Christ. What position do we hold? Well, in the Greek, the word hupomeno means to remain under. The position to hold is under the wings of the Almighty, faithful to Jesus to the very end, because he's able to keep us until that day. That is awesome that we serve a God that is above all. My brethren, stay on target, be on guard, and hold your position. I'm going to finish with, um, conclude with this, and this is a story of some martyrs who were serving the Afghans. Uh, Tom Little, he was 61, an optometrist, and he was a group leader in this particular occasion. Cheryl Beckett was 60, joined a, the medical team on service to remote Afghan villages. This is all in Voice of the Martyrs, persecution.com. You can look it up. And I'm just going to read part of what was written about them. Beckett and her teammates traveled far into northern Afghanistan, mainly by foot, at times having to cross very rough terrain involving high mountains and rain-flooded rivers. Day after day, they ministered to villagers they met, many of whom suffered physically from their medical issues. They spoke to the people and comforted them, demonstrating Jesus' love with their kindness and service. After three weeks, the team packed up to head back to Kabul. As they were hiking through the mountains, they were suddenly surrounded by a group of armed Taliban insurgents. He marched them into the woods and shot them to death, one by one as they stood in a line. The Taliban's accusation against the A-team was that they were spies trying to spread Christianity. 
Jesus once said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 9.23. The ten martyrs embodied this mandate to the point of death. They had all left successful uh, businesses or family and friends in their home countries to serve as humanitarian aid workers for Christ. Each of the members contributed needed services and unique skills which caused the entire team to work efficiently as a single unit. They served others as well as one another. They were part of something much greater. Humanitarian aid, oh, that was just a reason to go in and share the love of Christ. You see, they were martyred. They were guilty. They were guilty as accused. And they knew it. They knew in that very moment that they were dying for the name of the Lord. And they were ready. They persevered. They endured all the way to the end. The question again is, Will you? Are you ready for those moments when things seem just overwhelming? Hold your position. Stay on target and be on guard. Father, we thank you. Oh, we are so thankful for your word that prepares us for the most difficult of times. Lord, perhaps if you don't call us home, today if you don't rapture the church Lord perhaps we are going into the toughest of days days that we have never experienced before perhaps as a nation and as your church here in America oh I pray Lord that we would be on guard that we would not allow anyone to lead us astray but stay on target Lord and And also, Lord, that we would hold our position or just being faithful to you. Let us not be distracted or detracted from the most important thing, and that is to to serve you, to bless you, to walk in your ways. And Lord, knowing that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We know that The good news is if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Well, that's offered to every single person, Lord. And I pray that we would be those vessels, even this morning, Lord, to proclaim the good news, to testify of how you saved us, that others may desire that and know that it is true through their own confession. May that be the case this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.